luckily we both have a very similar passion for breeding cattle and similar sort of values and very different personalities, I might add, but um, we sort of seem to have the same core values. G'day to those who farm it, service it, or just love it. If you're out there listening to this podcast and want to give us a plug in your circle of mates and family or even on your socials, don't forget to share this. It's actually getting a lot easier now, but thanks for listening in to Farms of Ice and this is going to be another cracking episode. Let's get into it. Well, we're recording now, Wendy. Welcome to the Farms of Ice podcast. Great to have you here in the studio with your lovely looking bulls behind you. Thanks, Jack. It's a big honour to be uh, asked to come on the uh, podcast. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time and interviewing me. Great stuff. And even better to get someone up from around your neck of the woods, um, also running a cattle stud. I don't think we've had a cattle stud on the podcast yet, so that would be good to see. But where we met was at the Red Meat Ambassadors Program, and I'm endeavouring to get everyone on there just to see their side of what red meat is, but also your side of farming and what that entails. Where do you come from and what are you up to currently? But before we get going, Wendy, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where did it all start out for you and how did you end up here? Okay, uh, so uh, I grew up basically in the Riverina down to Rildry on another stud enterprise which was short on cattle and it was just my mother and my two brothers so uh we went to do a lot of hard work at a very young age and didn't do holidays didn't do any of that sort of stuff but um so my passion for cattle probably started then I mean I bought a cow when I was about eight years old for ten dollars and I thought that was a lot of money and it was a lot of you know the tooth fairy uh piggy bank savings but um so I had a real passion for cattle back then and we did a lot of showing and things like that and then went away to uh, went to uni and did ag science and always wanted to do beef back then. So my career was, I wanted to get into beef marketing. I just, I don't know, I just, I really loved that sort of side of um, when we were at uni. So went on to work for AMLC, which is now called the MLA, which is where we were doing our red meat ambassadorship so um worked there for a few years in the beef export market and learned all about the export trades particularly to asia mostly uh, mostly japan but the big emphasis was korea and then after that i um ben and i actually met that's ben's my husband and that's where texas angus is which is where i am now um uh we met back in the riverina he was a jackaroo in the um for the sheep for Wardry uh, Merino stud back then. So we met then. Um, I really didn't know who Texas Angus was back then. Um, but anyway, um, ended up getting married and, and luckily we both have a very similar passion for breeding cattle and similar sort of values and very different personalities, I might add, but um, we sort of seem to have the same core values. Probably yeah. have a personality could even it out as well on farm or is there a few yeah. in the yards? Well, if you want to see us tomorrow or even this afternoon, we're about to go and take bull photos. The personalities really are emphasized. It will be today and tomorrow when uh, 
that's not fun trying to take photos of bulls and you try and get them in the right you know I'm a bit OCD when it comes to that sort of stuff and I take the photos and Ben and Hayden the fellow who works with us we all it's not only a great environment particularly for a husband and wife but we're pretty good in the arts but uh photos no not great <laughs> We go through the exact same thing with our stud rams as well with my partner. I take the photos and you just assume that they're going to be there to sort of push them up, nudge them in the right direction. Um, actually, yeah. I haven't seen it done for cattle, but I imagine it's pretty similar, getting them up, standing up straight. Yeah. yeah, it'd be the same, exactly the same. It's sort of, you know, looking at trying to get that physical phenotype showing as best you can for the um, future buyers. Beautiful. So, Wendy, you had a pretty sort of similar journey all the way through and coming back to your cattle roots and linking up with Ben um, as your partner now and turning it well joining the Texas team there what's the farm operation look like now who's involved and what's the enterprise so we've sort of we've probably got about probably about 800 cows now um we um and they're all stud cows the drought pretty much got we had to sell all the commercials out of the operation so now we're focused heavily on just the seed stock side of it and um so it's basically ben and i hayden uh chapel who is our stud he's our stud uh cattle overseer he's been with us for nearly six years and We've just got a Swedish girl um, who's just come on board for the last week. She actually comes from, she's a daughter of a friend of mine from uh, uni and they, they're from a pig farm over in Sweden and she's out here and she wanted to have a bit of experience and so she's actually been going really well. So it's four of us now but sometimes it's three but uh, we are very uh, labour deficient I would say what we do but um anyway and we have a bull sale every year in end of July and we're probably just trying to work out what, how many we'll sell this year trying to work it out probably thinking about 250 bulls maybe um awesome what normal is that it will be up we sold to 209 last year the only reason being is that you know we sold them uh we just want people to think that they can actually get bulls. So last year, people went away; they couldn't get bulls, and um, we just we're just trying to work it out. We're, only good quality bulls will go in, so we've got a good selection this year to choose from. So, and then we have about between eighty to one hundred paddock bulls as well to sell. Um, but that's but we're just about to head into AI embryo transfer. That's all synchronizing is going to start next week. Plus, trying to take bull photos. Plus, um, what else are we doing? We're flat. We're really busy at the moment, but um, busy is good. Absolutely. I want to go back to the decision you came out the other side of drought, removing your sort of commercial side of the enterprise. And with that, did you you had a lower seed stock there, and you've now increased them um, as your stud cows? That's how it's sort of working. Yeah, we do a lot of so a lot of we've got a cooperator herd, um, and so we can increase our numbers fairly quickly. Um, so yeah, we um, and we did we took a bit of a gamble back in two what was it twenty 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 one or twenty 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 I can't remember we 
we actually went out and bought a property. We'd been doing a lot of leasing and paying, you know, paying a lot of that. We thought with interest rates being so low back then, we thought, right, well, this was a good time to get in. And so then we had to have a female sale as well on top of that. So we we sold 300 lots in 24 hours in, it was um, 2021. And that was only with three people, which was, I think after that, I think Hayden nearly wanted to leave us after. <laughs> he was so exhausted. We were all absolutely busted, but it was something we really had to do because um, the bank manager would have been throttling us, I think, at that stage. Anyway, but yeah, so that's, um, but the drought definitely, we had to get, we we kept all our, uh, we never sold one seed stock, oh, started, started Angus Cow, we kept them all, we tried as hard as we could to battle through the drought and it paid off in the end, but um, it was, that was the worst experience I've ever been through. Yeah, it's a pretty difficult time, especially for the studs that are trying to keep their genetics um, because we worked so hard, maybe it's 50 years, but even five, 10 years, building up that genetic line, your progeny, you uh, can't be done overnight, especially if you sell them and buy back in and try start again. You're so right, Jack. I mean, any any seed stock, whether it's sheep or cattle or horses, if you um, it takes a long time to develop that line and that breeding program. And um, we had a lot of people really go, help us um we had clients ring us and you know let us send kale to them when they didn't um that's that was there for a little while but then after a while they um we had to take them back because they'd run out of feed so it was um tough tough and it was tough trying to buy feed that was terrible yeah absolutely and for so such a long period of time i actually uh wasn't here because i thought i'd go take someone else's money at the beginning of the drought overseas but came back into the lush green grass so i came back and telling dad oh what are you whinging about mate looks good at the moment and he, he just had the battle um two three years here without me it's pretty amazing how good and resilient the land is though to conceive that it used to be just i remember looking at our window and you just see it was just parched dirt and we're pretty good at trying to keep our ground cover here but we couldn't maintain it at all um, because we still had we had locked cattle up in areas. But for it to come back the way it has, it's unbelievable how resilient the the land is. I think absolutely. So let's move into where we sort of first met at the ambassador program for red meat. What did you get out of it, and what did you learn? Uh, I I really enjoyed it, Jack. I thought um, there's a couple of pretty big uh, statistics that I came out thinking that I, I really didn't realise that, you know, 65% of the population has no rural connection. That was quite alarming. Um, and so, and I recently was, was at the Sydney show and just those sort of events are so important um, now more than ever to try and get that connection with um our urban friends, our city friends. Um, but, yeah, I think the red meat, uh ambassadorship is excellent i think everyone should have if they can apply should should have a go at it going because you you won't you only you weren't only in the room with just other beef people you were people like you with sheep or we had goats in the room we had chefs um it was such a uh diverse group of people and um 
I really liked it. I learned a lot out of it and um, and just understanding how to talk to some of these um, people who are probably a little bit more of alarmists and trying to work through those uh, issues. Working with the movable, movable middle, as they say. Yes. yes. I think it was pretty eye-opening just to get the the perspective of what the chefs are and what sort of information they're chasing to be actually continue telling that story of what our food is and breaking that down. Um, and there wasn't competition. There is competition throughout the industry with beef, lamb, um, to chicken, to other proteins and everything. But what was so good about that program is there's no bias in it at all. It's about the industry coming together and proving what we are doing as red meat, um, whether that be a lamb or beef steak on your plate, it really just comes down to improving what we do as an industry. Uh, totally agree, Jack. And I think that, you know, I think sometimes the Australian agricultural industry is a little bit segmented, I think. And if we can try and bring us as a as a whole, we I always believe in people power. That is just got so much. Um, people can just change things. And if we can get more people out there, with these positive, great, we got great stories, and you know the chefs that we met, they love hearing all that. You know, love seeing those photos that you know you put out there, or all your videos and things like that. They love that that um, story, and I think everyone loves a story, a great story. And I think in ag, I think we just if we don't do it, no one else is going to do it. So we have to just get out there and have a real crack and. I think um, I went to a, we were at a dinner at the RAS just the other day and there was a guy from the Meat Advisory Council and he was just telling us oh, just, the you know, the different issues that are out there. But he also did say that, you know, for the department, Department of Ag, is, is we're a user-based system for the Department of Ag and we're the only one like that have to do that. And I didn't realise that. I didn't, all the other departments are funded by the government, whereas we 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 use a pay. So, you know, the ag depart the ag area. What we do is, um, you know, we, we're not given um, a free go. At, uh, just you know, there's other departments that certainly get um, it's easier for them rather than what we get. But I think it, farmers are very resilient, and the whole the whole um, sector. I always sort of see it as like. If we want to make a change, it's got to be us. There's no sort of assistance there when other industries may get some push um, for that or financials put behind it as well. Like if it's a different industry um, to improve, whether it's like fashion, such um, renewable sort of fashion, trying to minimise fast fashion, then also farmers becoming more sustainable and showing your story. If we want to do it, we have to make it there on our own two feet. Um, to the consumer to educate them, but then that's also taking time away from our real enterprise to actually improving it. Absolutely. Totally agree. So for the red meat industry, what do you think is the biggest opportunity currently at the moment? Um, and let's be a bit specific with your with your cattle, with beef. Um, so yeah, for beef, I think it's it's really really um, positive. Um, the world is just screaming for protein, and not only beef, it's for all proteins. Um, yes, at the moment we've we're seeing you know a retraction in um, 
the prices and look last year was like a gravy train it was just crazy the prices and there was a lot of, it was just purely supply and demand and people just didn't have the cattle after the drought so so now it's, we're seeing it there has been definitely a correction but I think the actual beef prices are starting to come back up yep. um, I, I think the positivity in beef is exceptionally good and I think for for where we stand we're, we're really po- proactive and you know if we're thinking of putting more bulls in the sale then we're positive about the market and um, yeah look I, I think so long as the seasons stay with us you know if things start to get really hard Jack then in the in the uh, season then things might change a bit but um, yeah I think Prices, costs, costs are probably our biggest problem at the moment with um, how, uh, and everyone's going through that. Inflation has certainly changed things. So you've got to be, you've got to be really profitable. Whatever you do now and what we do is we look at profitability is our biggest driver and, um, and that's what we do with genetics, seriously look at profitability and when we're breeding. So, yeah. Uh, we're positive. Absolutely, and a great way to be. For I didn't have it in our questions, but what sort of ag tech or, if any, are you using on your farm? So we, so we're using um, a Gallagher system where we've been a bit antiquated, but we've just installed all of it now. So um, we're using a Gallagher. Um, TWR, I think it's called, and we're scanning everything um, in terms of, oh, and we've also, we've been just put in um, water monitors on this new block. We've got water monitors up in the, um, in all our tanks so we can track our water because there's nobody on this place and so water and it's all bores, so that's a real that's been a game changer for us. Um, it just st- comes straight into our phones. All our stock uh, information's on our phones now. All of us have got that. So um, technology is definitely creeping in with us. And it, if we can utilize them all, we'll definitely take it on board. It's great. Absolutely. And how's Hayden going? Or does he enjoy the ag tech side of it? side of things as an employee and sort of that onboarding process because it's a bit of a pickle with farmers and actually having that time to onboard even yourself rather than also your employees yeah no um out of the three of us um hayden and i would be the two um tech people um ben is yeah he's you know he doesn't look he didn't look he looks at his phone with his waters and stuff like that but a lot of the other um you know all the identification and stuff like that both Hayden and I do that so we we cross each other off quite well and um you know and and look we're we're all online for um uh, accounting so um he um we use um any um receipts they're all photo taken uploaded through the cloud it's all cloud based we're very cloud based yeah sorry you use zero accounting software. Yeah. 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 So and- we use we use zero and um and it's been a game changer. Like we used to be a Phoenix client and our accountant wanted us to change. So we changed to zero and it's great. And look, 
we've actually brought on, brought in a bookkeeper and she lives about 30 k's away from here and I don't see her but she does a fair bit of that to just take the uh, load off my shoulders a bit because otherwise I was just living in the, the office half the time. So I might actually have to write that down and send it over to the old man in in an email because I'm pretty keen to get simplify the processes and actually put some time into the areas that need it most rather than just doing the one finger sort of accounting in the yeah. office. You should you should do this. Do you use zero? I do myself, but as a as a farm business, I think we're going to be moving to it pretty shortly. Yeah, it's just so good. And just any receipts that they do, like even Ben can do this. He just takes photos of his receipts and that's all he has to do and it's uploaded. Bang, it's gone. It's awesome. I think it's a good thing that you said that too because a lot of farmers, like if you say tech on farm, they don't really look at the software that simplifies and saves us the most amount of time but also works with the money as well so you can improve and, like you said before, become profitable off the back of it. Absolutely. So. so going on with that, you've got your sale coming up. In It's in July. Do you want to give it a bit of a plug and what we expect after uh, you the next couple of days? <laughs> Look, we've got, uh, so there'll be 250 bulls. We've gone through, uh, we do a lot of feeder carcass trials and we use that information to go back into our breeding program. So that's how we try and identify profitability. That's one of our biggest things where we try and look at not only cow-calf producer, um, but we look at uh, the backgrounder, the feeder, the processor, and then, you know, the ultimate the consumer. So we follow a lot of carcasses through um, these trials and we do them sort of from northern New South Wales into Queensland. And so, so a lot of the bulls that don't fit the grade, we're pretty tough. We go down there and, we, and we're not clipboard breeders we go down there and we just look at phenotype first and we definitely cull out first on that and then we'll maybe bring in the um if they don't make the grade even if they're the highest marbling bull or whatever doesn't matter we'll cut them if they're not right and so yeah so then and then they go through again another process and we'll go give them an, and we scan it we, we do a, we scan and we do also do um genomics as well just about on a fair whack of the um, bulls all the females are getting genomics so um, our data is pretty um, it's pretty good um, so and then we'll go through them again and then we'll class out uh, the saleables which will be the best bulls that we've got so it's done on type and pedigree and um, performance and definitely profitability so we're right into all of that but yeah so they'll be have an open day three weeks before on this. I think it's the seventh of July, and then it's there's a sale. Like it They're all in. They'll be all penned, and then we have a a, a leet usually uh, come on board on the day of the sale, and it's a live streamed full sale. We're not big into doing a lot of videos. I know a lot of people do that, but um, we really promote the idea of we want people to come and see and compare. And just because single videos you can't compare, but it's a great way of showing people who can't make it. We have a lot of people come on on the open day, and then they don't come in the sale day. Um, just purely they just bid online. Yep. So online's been a great. That's been another big um, tech um, advantage since COVID. It really probably 
saved a lot of people in um, their ram sales, bull sales during COVID times. Absolutely. We probably saw like a big spike in the beginning that it flatlined out and then really now after COVID, I don't know, maybe 50% on there of bids sort of stuff. Yeah, well, we would, I reckon for our, so the sale when we had a fem, we had a bull sale the day before and then a female sale the next day, 80% of the bulls uh, would have been sold to people on the day yep. and 20% online. And then for the female sale, it was completely reversed. It was 80% online and 20% um, in the crowd. So quite different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably more so because of restocking sort of stuff or just the... Uh, was your female sale individual? Yeah, pro pro probably. So female sales are a little different to a bull sale because, you know, female sales is, is, is basically selling to seed, other seed stock people, whereas bull sales, it's commercially based. We're pretty, we're pretty commercially based. So they went everywhere, all around Australia. And so people couldn't, and it was sort of COVID-y. We were still in that COVID, coming out of COVID. So there was still a little bit of hesitancy of travelling. So, but um, with bulls, you know, majority of our bulls go Queensland, excuse me, Queensland, New South Wales, but Australia-wide, they'll go everywhere. They'll go to Western Australia, Tasmania, wherever. But um, Queensland and New, northern New South Wales are pretty strong. Yeah. Well, to round, round this podcast out with the next couple of questions, for the next guest coming onto the show, you don't know who they are, but you can get the opportunity to ask them one question. What would that question be? So they're land, are they they're ag people, I'm assuming? Yeah, most likely a farmer. Most likely a farmer. Okay. I, I would like to say to them, how are they going uh, with their labour? Are they finding it difficult to employ somebody? Because we find it, and, and I, we're just not the only ones. There's people everywhere around here screaming for um, workers and they just can't get them. Yeah, it's, it's the same everywhere. Even in town in Dubbo here, people are um, yelling out for whoever they can sort of get their hands on. Um, yeah. But where is it? Where are the people gone? I don't understand. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, it's like they just dropped off the face of the earth, really. Hmm. Very good. Well, that's a great question. And your question is, what's the long-term goal in the business? So long-term goal. Okay, so we're big probably into sustainability and we would like to leave at the land in a better place than when we got it. So um, that's one of our well, one of my big goals is is just to see improvement in soils, pasture, um, and just that holistic management. Um, so, and with the cattle, you know, um, we've got such a passion for it. We love doing what we do. We love breeding cattle. That's probably my favourite thing is breeding cattle and um, the whole marketing side of it, look, you know, that's a big part of it, but I do love breeding cattle. And when you when you can see a big run of um, bulls or heifers, and they're um, and there's hardly any that you have to pull out because they just don't make the grade. That's a big tick. Love that. And you can walk through them, and they're quiet, and they're um, you know that 
I think that's probably a big goal for me. And probably to see, you know, the journey, whether our kids come home. I don't know that whether they'll do that or not. They all seem very keen on ag. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it would be nice if it did keep going. But if it doesn't keep going, that's life, I guess. How old are the kids now? So we've got a nearly a 21-year-old, a 19, and a uh, nearly a 16. So they're all getting a bit older. The average age to for kids to return on farm, as a fun fact, is 27. So you've got a few more years. Yes. That age. Well, we've to- all told them they've got to go and do their own thing till yep. at least 25. That's the rule. They've got to go out and do whatever they want to do, get a trade, a degree. That's our rule. But I'll tell you what, Jack, when you don't have when they come home for holidays and things like that, it's like it's fantastic. And then when they leave, it's just like oh, we're working flat out again. But anyway. But, Wendy, for this episode, what would be one piece of farms advice you'd like someone else to take away from this episode? Uh, I think if out of the episode, if people can, any farmer, tell your story. Hop on any a social media platform and don't be frightened of it. People love listening and or love seeing images and farm stories um, and if we could do that people power of um, ag is going to change pave the way for us and if we don't sell our story no one will absolutely i think that's a big one and especially for studs getting out there and if you put two pictures up of your bulls or your rams and you think that's too many put three up and see how it goes i don't think you can have too many we're keen to see more of it to see what you're doing as internals but also i think it's exciting to see where our meat comes from, especially going through that ambassador program there with MLA. Good. Yeah, it's great. And look, you know, you're a great example, Jack, of how you can just put that message out. You're doing great things for uh, ag, so well done. Hands down to you. I think you're doing a great job. I appreciate it. So, Wendy, for anyone looking to see what you're up to, as you said, get on there and tell your story. What's your story and how can we find that? What's your Instagram handle? Okay, so we're just, we're on Texas Angus on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, um, sort of on Twitter when I remember. Um, (laughs) We've got a webpage um, which has just been upgraded. It's quite good. There's a few things we've got to fix up with it. But um, our webpage is a good way to get on and yeah follow us on uh facebook and um instagram there's it's regularly updated we do a lot and um my children always try and uh teach me how or tell me that i'm doing saying wrong things or and i probably am i'm pretty hopeless at it but i i still have a go (laughs) beautiful well i'll have those in the show notes so anyone can follow along to see what wendy and the texas team get up to it'll be good to see thanks jack does not stop here come and join the conversation on facebook twitter instagram or tiktok and even join our facebook group go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag farms advice to your mates if you can leave a review on apple or spotify that will let other farmers find us too but until then see you next tuesday <laughs>